Well, good morning, South Hills Church. It's good to see you. Thanks for choosing to be here and to worship with us today, especially if you're joining us online. Thanks for joining us there as well. At the beginning of the service, we showed a video of the Upward Soccer Program, which completed this weekend, and our family got to participate in the Upward Soccer Program this fall, and they loved it, and it was a really great experience. And what was fun for us as a family to see through the Upward Soccer Program that took place here is how South Hills Church has made a decision to say we want to use the resources that God has given us to bless the community and to reach out to people that we might not otherwise be able to reach. And we just love that. And so we're grateful for Matthew Houston, for his leadership. We're super grateful for all the volunteers and the coaches that volunteer their time and their energy to make that happen and to be a positive place for kids and for families in this community. Um, It's a fantastic thing. In fact, you know, the reason why it's so great is because so often in our community, people who are outside of the church, that is people who just live in the community, they're, they're far from God, they do not have the best picture of the church. They don't always have a positive view of the church. And the fact that South Hills Church has said we want to use the resources God's given us to make a positive impact, to create a place for kids to have fun, for families to connect, that's a fantastic thing. And one of the things that we need to just be about and continue to be about as a church is to take God very seriously, but it doesn't mean we have to take ourselves so seriously that we can laugh, we can have fun, we can provide place for kids to just come and make a connection and plant seeds for the good news of Jesus Christ. Because we could tell people all about the love of God, but if they don't feel it, they won't ever hear it. And so may we be a church that continues to create environments for people to come and feel His love and to experience it, to have fun so that it can point them to a God who loves them and wants a relationship with them. What I'd like to do is just pray right now and just ask God to continue to work in and through our church for those purposes. Let's pray together before we start. God, we are so grateful for the volunteers, the coaches, the the parents who helped make the Upward Soccer Program happen this fall. Lord, we thank you for the resources that you've given to us as a church and even the people that you've given to us at this church to bless this community. And God, we pray that you would continue to use our church to be a light for you, that as we talk about how loving you are, that people who interact with our church, our ministries, and the people of South Hills would feel that love and so that they might come and turn and hear and respond to the love that you have for them. God, we pray this together in your name. Amen. Okay. Well, if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. If you're not quite sure where James is in your Bible, it's, it's easier in some ways to start from the back and work your, way, work your way that way. So if you start from the end of your Bible, you'll get Revelation. And James is just a few books back. So it's easier to find it perhaps for you that way to find the book of James. Um, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry. Hopefully you received the um, handout that we printed and, and, and on your way in here. And if you're online, we have that for you uh, digitally as well. So it's a way for you to, to stay in touch with us on terms of, of where we're at. Now, um, last week, if you were here, you know we started a new series called Messy, where we're talking about looking to God's Word for practical help and advice and counsel when it comes to complicated and challenging relationships, what we do when we find ourselves in conflict. And I'm so grateful for God's Word because um, God doesn't shy away from difficult issues, including relational conflict. And it's important for us to say, God, we're so grateful that you've given us your word to guide us because we need it. And last week, if you're here, we know we talked about how we need to learn to um, look at people with an uncritical eye. 
How can we conquer our critical spirit? And today we're going to be talking about how can we approach relationships um, without reacting or exploding with anger. But what's a different approach that we can have? Or what do we do when someone comes at us with explosive anger? How do we respond? And that's what the passage today we're going to look at is so helpful for us to see. Because my guess is there's moments when you want to respond and react in anger, and you say things you wish you didn't say, you do things you wish you didn't do, or you've come, you've had come, people come at you, and they're filled with anger. And um, what do you do in those moments? And so we're going to look at this passage. It'll, it'll be helpful, and we'll learn some things. But in order to learn what God has for us in His Word, sometimes it's helpful to unlearn some things too, and to address the things that maybe we've adopted, some patterns, some habits that we have, so that we can come to God's truth and say, what do we need to learn? So let me just first focus on a couple of the myths that it, when it comes to anger that we sort of adopt or maybe practice. And so just let's address them so then we can look to the, to the real truth here. So a couple of the myths when it comes to anger. The first one is this, that healthy people don't get angry. Healthy people don't get angry. (laughs) This myth is this idea that if you're healthy, if you're mature, if you're spiritual, you won't get angry. And so you'll hear lots of Christians like, I'm not angry. I'm just frustrated. Or I'm not angry. I'm just tense. And so they'll come up with different words. But the reality is all of us have the capacity to be angry. And part of that is because at, at its core, anger is a physiological response. When we're hurt, we can become, we become angry. And so that's, that's, that's the reality. Now, the question is, how do we, re- how do we manage our anger? And that's a different question, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. The second one is this, I can't control my anger. I can't control my anger. Again, this is um, erroneous. We, we are we all have an emotional response of anger that can happen, but then we have a point of decision in terms of how do we um, react to our anger? How do we manage it? What, do we, what display does anger take in our life? And, and it's in those moments that we have to recognize, okay, between um, uh, when we have the emotion and when we make the decision of how we display it, there is a moment in between uh, of interpretation where we have to look at, look at the situation and say, okay, um, is, the, is this really worth responding? And I think that's an important thing, which the third one really helps us understand that. My anger comes from people or things. My anger comes from people or things. And the idea with this one, this myth, is that um, the, the reason why I'm angry is because of those people. And typically it's the stupid people and the stupid things in my life, right? So you're like, I, I agree with that. I understand that. Yes, the stupid people and stupid things that create anger. And if we can somehow look at the people around us, the environment, and say, yeah, we interpret, yeah, they are stupid, that's a stupid thing, it somehow justifies our anger so we can display it in the way that we do, which is, again, something we need to challenge. Then the fourth myth about our anger is talking it out will make it go away. Talking it out will make it go away. And the myth on this one is if I can just find someone who agrees with me that all these people are stupid and all these things are stupid, then I'll feel better. But does it work? No, it doesn't work, does it? Because the more we talk about it with people who agree with us on they're stupid and those are stupid things, it doesn't minimize our anger. It actually maximizes it. it our anger can grow as a result of that. And so that doesn't, that's not helpful. Then the fifth one is this. Anger is best managed by unleashing it. Anger is best managed by unleashing it. Um, this is something that happens. It's the idea, right? Just let it rip. You know, if it's, it just let it go. Let's just let it, let it out. Let's just have it out. And um, this is the best way to deal with it. Of course, that um, it can be very damaging. And so it's important for us to recognize that is not the best way to deal with it. So then the question is, so what 
what should we replace those things with? If those are the myths that we've adopted or we've practiced or we just find ourselves slipping into, how can we then respond differently? What, what uh, truths can we replace those things with? And, and that's why it's important for us to look to God's Word for those truths. And that's where James chapter 1, beginning in verse nine is so, 19, is so helpful for us because um, it's just a short passage, but it's very, very powerful. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to read the passage um, that James talks about, the truth, a different way to respond, and then we'll come back and we'll look at each verse um, together. But let me read it for you. Yeah, b- chapter 1, beginning of verse 19, says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and, and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Okay, so now let's look back at each one of these verses that begins by saying, my dear brothers and sisters. Now this is James, the brother of Jesus, who's writing this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. So he's saying, take note. Now, if you're a note taker today, this is your day. There's lots of ways for you to take notes, lots of notes. Even if you're not, though, we still need to hear James' statement. We need to pay attention. Pay attention. So who needs to pay attention? It says this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Everyone means everyone. So this isn't your moment to like elbow the person next to you who has the anger problem, and you're like, I hope you listen, because this is important. This is for all of us. It says everyone needs to put this into practice. So what do we need to put into practice? He said, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. So there's these, he sequences out a different way to respond. Now, this is brilliant um, because we all know the opposite, don't we? Where we are angry, um, quick to be ang- come angry, slow to uh, go, quick to be quick to speak, and then quick, uh, slow to s- listen. But this is the direction he wants us to move. So he begins with being quick to listen. The question is, what does it mean to be quick to listen? What does that look like? What does it mean to be quick to listen? And so what I want to do is just point out a couple of different places in Scripture that help us understand what this means and how that could look in our life. And so if you're a note taker, um, this is your moment. So the first one is this, listen without interrupting. To be quick to listen means to listen without interrupting. It says this in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 13, to answer before listening that is folly and shame. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. So the point is this. When we come into conflict with somebody else, we need to first listen. And without interrupting. And this is challenging for us because if someone comes at you, what do you want to do? You want to come back at them. And you want to Um, you're tempted, of course, to listen. You have a rebuttal. There's something that you want to say. Have you ever watched the political debates and what happens there? I mean, it's just interrupting after interrupting after interrupting, or you'll see that in different environments, maybe at work or in your own home, and it's exhausting. And James is saying, let's do it differently. Don't answer before listening. Listen to what people are saying. And this is an important thing because listening really truly is the first skill of loving. If we want to love people, we need to listen to people. And there's a warning with it too. If we stop listening, we find ourselves in trouble. In fact, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this, he who will not listen to his brother soon will not be listening to God. 
So if you start to shut down your ears, you, you, you're, you're finding yourself in a real spiritual, spiritually dangerous spot. And when, when it comes to listening, how do, what, what does that look like, listening um, quickly without interrupting? I found this to be helpful. Uh, George uh, Marshall is a general, the author, a great author of the Marshall Plan, World War II general. He basically said here's his, his steps to handling people. It's kind of his formula for handling people. He gives three simple steps. I think it's helpful for us to see. He says this. First, listen to the other person's story. Secondly, Listen to the other person's full story. Third, listen to the other person's full story first. This is what listening is. It's listening to someone else's story, their full story, and letting them go first. When we do that, we're loving them. By listening to people, we're loving them. When you want to love people in your life, listen to them. You want to make friends, listen to friends. This is the first skill in terms of what it means to love people. So we need to be quick to listen. And that's why it's an important thing. Now, the second thing is this, in terms of listening. We need to listen to understand. Listen to understand. So we need to listen without interrupting, but we also need to listen to understand. This is what it says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. The one who is patient calms a quarrel. That is, oftentimes when we find ourselves in conflict with somebody, whether we want to interrupt or not, we are constantly hearing what they're saying, but we're thinking to ourselves, I don't, it's not that we're trying to understand them. We want to win. We're thinking, how can I win? So you're, the whole time they're talking, you're not really paying attention to what they're saying and understanding what they're saying. You're thinking about your rebuttal. What are you going to say back? How are you going to respond? How can you win the argument? And the, the, the Proverbs is so helpful to say, be patient. Step back. Don't try to like, what can I do to like get back at them? What can I say to win this argument? Step back, listen, and listen to understand. And this is important because in conflict, I don't know if you know this, but when you're in conflict with someone, you both have the same goal. You both want the very same thing. Do you know what you want? It's the very same thing. When the person you're in conflict with, this, you want to be heard, but not just heard, you want to be understood. You're in conflict with someone, guess what? You want them to hear you, and you want them to understand you. But guess what they want? They want you to hear them, and they want you to understand them. You want the same thing. Now, you may not agree with each other, but you still have to listen to each other. You may not agree on what it looks like to, be, to, be, to parent or the decision that's taking place at work or, the, you know, is this the Mr. Right or Miss Wrong or whatever it might be. You may, you may disagree on that stuff, but people in conflict are still saying, will you hear me? You may not agree with me, but will you listen to me and will you understand? And this is an important thing in terms of relationships. When you think about how can I understand somebody, one of the great tools is to reflect back to them what they're saying. So to say to them, they're, they're talking to you, for you to be able to say, is this what I, am I hearing you correctly? And you reflect back to them and you restate what they're saying. So you say, uh, you're, you're saying you're, um, you know, this is what's going on and, and, and am I getting that correct? It's a very helpful tool because you're telling them, I'm trying to understand what it is you're saying. 
Have you ever flown in an aircraft? I've had the privilege of flying in a couple different small aircrafts with a pilot right next to me. And the whole time, you know, you're getting the aircraft, you're getting ready to take off. The pilot is talking to the tower or whoever, somebody on the radio, and they're saying, um, you know, this is so-and-so, and we're going to such-and-such a place, and we're requesting to, you know, clearance to do this. And then the tower responds back, okay, so you're saying you're so-and-so, and you're going to such-and-such a place, and you're asking for clearance. Yes, I'm so-and-so, and I'm asking to go to such-and-such a place, and I'm asking for clearance. They're like, okay, go ahead and move forward. And then they're, they're there again before they take off. Okay, this is so-and-so, and I'm asking to go to such-and-such a place. And the tower responds, okay, so you're saying you're so-and-so, and you're asking to such-and-such a place. Yes, I'm, you know, and it goes back and forth. And it's like tedious in a certain sense, but why do they do that? Because miscommunication could be disastrous, couldn't it? We need to understand. And if you need to understand and have clear communication on a flight— how much more in a fight? People want to be heard. They want to be understood. And so sometimes we have to be quick to listen so that people know you really understand what I'm saying. And if we don't know, ask questions. Is this what you're saying? You know, here's who you are. Where's where you're going? Am I getting that right? It's asking that question. But it's so easy for us to fall into patterns and to fall into behaviors and to have our um, sort of stock comebacks or rehearsed lines. If someone says something, we're like, yes, but, or you don't understand this. And we have this way of responding that instead of stopping and really understanding. And it can happen in, in, without us even really being aware that it's happening. One of my favorite stories of uh, President Roosevelt is where he got in a spot where he just was frustrated that, you know, he would be in these spots where he would be meeting people. There'd be lines of people, and he'd, these receiving lines, and people would want to say hi to him and talk to him, and he would, uh, he would be in these places, and they just felt like no one's really listening to each other. You know, it was just kind of this perfunctory thing that he would say something to them. They would some say something back. Next person, shake their hand. He'd say something. They'd say something back, but they really weren't listening. There was just kind of this, you know, rehearse statements, and so he decided to test it, and he decided on one of these, these, these times where he was receiving people that he would say to every single person that came came by and shook his hand, um, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And so he did it. Every single person that came through, he'd shake their hand and he'd say to them, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And, you know, sure enough, everyone that came by, they had their rehearsed statements. Marvelous, Mr. President. You know, I'm with you, Mr. President. God bless you, Mr. President. And they just kept saying, he just kept saying, I murdered my grandmother this morning until finally some foreign diplomat comes by and he says to him, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And the foreign diplomat goes, what? He says, I murdered my grandmother this morning. And the man just thinks for a moment and responds, well, she probably had it coming to her then, Mr. President. <laughs> now, there was understanding, maybe not the right response, <laughs> but there's understanding there. And the, the idea is this, that we can sometimes just fall into the habit or pattern of response, response, and not really stop to understand, ask the questions that we need to ask so that we can understand um, the people who are talking to us. So it's important that we're quick to listen in that way. Then third, the third one is this, that we need to listen to learn. Listen to learn. 
In Proverbs chapter 19, 19 and 20, it says this, A hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. Rescue them, and you will have to do it again. Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. I love this part here. It says, listen to advice and accept discipline. That is, you need to listen to learn. Listen to what can I gain out of it. And this is challenging for us as well, because, again, when we are listening— to someone who's angry with us, or we're angry. We're not trying to, to listen to learn. We're listening to teach them something. They, we have it right. They don't have it right, so I need to teach them. And so we go into our sermon. We go into our big, you know, our big speech, and we're wanting to teach them something. And the Proverbs is saying, no, listen. You need to stop and pause long enough to listen so that you can learn, so you can hear what is going on with the person that you are in conflict with. And this is, this is just an important thing for all of us to remind us to say, can we ask more questions? When someone is angry, someone's frustrated, they may, they're not even coming at you the right way, with the right spirit. But rather than shut them off, just stop and say, what do I need to learn in this conversation? What is it that I do need to take? Even if they're coming at it the wrong way, there's still something that we can learn. There's still something that we can take away, but being quick to listen allows us to pause our speech, our wanting to teach them something, and to say, what do I need to learn? And it's so important. It's such an important skill. In fact, if you're here, if you're a middle schooler or a high schooler, here's, here's my advice for you, something I want you to try. In fact, if, you're, if your parents are here, you may need to wait like a month or two so it could be your idea, not my idea. So just hold on to this one. But here's what you need to do. Next time your, your parent, you know, dad's going into the dad talk or mom's going into the mom talk with you and you're just, you're listening to them, here's the response that you can do. Is just, just listen and learn. Say, you know, dad, 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 I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I see it the same way that you do, but I want to understand. Will you explain it to me again? Can you help me understand what it is you're trying to, to say to me? You do that. Your dad's going to fall over. He's going to need a little CPR. He's going to need a little help back up because you're listening to learn as opposed to listening to push back, to argue, to fight. To, here's my, here's my, here's what I'm doing. But you just stop and listen to learn. I'm not sure I fully understand or fully agree even, but can I learn? Ask some questions. It will be shocking to them, but it will improve your relationship with one another. Listen to learn. Now, it's not just that we need to listen to learn, but we also need to be slow to speak. Slow to speak. What does it mean to be slow to speak? Well, the first one is this, to speak less. To speak less. This is an important thing for some of us. We have to be like, Ugh, need to grab those lips and hold them down, right? Because you just want to go. You just want to start talking. And this is why this proverb is so helpful. It says this um, in Proverbs 17. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. So there's just moments we need to hold our tongues. We need to speak less. And some of those times, it may even be when you know you're right. But you still need to speak less so that you can really hear people and understand where they are coming from. And this is a hard discipline, and some of us need reminders of that. There's a, someone that I've worked with who um, is very smart, very brilliant. In fact, is a person who has kind of an opinion on everything, and, and it's kind of annoying because on most of the things that she has an opinion on, um, she's right. And so I've been in work environments with her where she just has an opinion. She she's sees things so clearly, and um, she'd be in meetings. And what I, was, I found really um, fascinating is I remember being in a meeting with her, 
And she wrote down on her notepad, and I looked over, I saw her notepad, she wrote the words, speak less, on her notepad. And I thought it was so powerful because she's the kind of person that does know, sees things clearly, and typically is a step or two ahead of everybody in the room. But she was just reminding herself, I need to speak less so that I can really listen. Are there things that I need to learn? Are there things that I need to hear? And um, what, what is it, what's going on with other people that I need to get their opinion from? So it's just really a powerful reminder that, to speak less. Now, the second one is this. We need to speak softly. Speak softly. The passage there for, for that in, in Proverbs this, Proverbs 15 says this, perhaps you've heard it, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And um, this is important because this is just a reminder to speak softly means we just need to turn down the volume. That we're in conflict with people. When we, have, when we get louder, it doesn't make understanding clearer. Does that make sense? Just volume, just noise, getting screaming at each other doesn't mean they're actually going to have a better understanding of what you're saying. In fact, it actually might escalate the situation more. So we need to just speak softer. If you've been in a, in a situation where you've traveled internationally and you've run into someone who doesn't speak your language and you're just, there's that communication struggle for my family and I, you know, we'd go into China to pick up our kids over there. You know, we'd find ourselves in this, a tour group and there's, you know, something that we're trying to figure out and we approach someone who's Chinese and we're like, hey, can you help us find the exit? And the person's like, I don't know what you're saying. They have, you know, we, there's, and I don't know any Chinese, they don't know English. And so it's like, okay, we're, we're stuck here. But there's usually some person on the tour group who goes up to that person who's like, we're trying to find the exit. The exit! Exit! And it's like they just think that volume is somehow going to pound the, you know, the understanding into what, what he's saying. It just doesn't work. Shouting doesn't help great, gain greater clarity. And yet that's kind of what we do when we're in conflict with people. We think, oh, let's just get louder. Let's, get, let's raise the volume. They'll understand me better. No, it doesn't work. That, in fact, the person who you're shouting at, they're, they're ready for you to assault them at that point. They're like, what is going on? Um, and especially if they're, they really don't speak your language, they just hear shouting. They just hear noise and nothing that you're trying to truly communicate. And so this is an important thing for us to, to see. Um, then the next one is this. We also need to speak carefully. Speak carefully. Proverbs, uh, which the Proverbs 12 says this, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. Words of the reckless pierce like swords. And you know this to be true. Reckless words are um, very damaging, aren't they? Some of you here have been hurt physically. But when I ask you what are the deepest hurts in your life, they're probably not the physical things that you've had to deal with, but it's the words that have cut so deep. It's the words that people have said, the comments that someone has made that you still carry with you, that you roll over in your mind, and it's been deeply damaging in your life. Words can be so powerful for good and for destruction in people's hearts and lives. And so we need to speak very carefully when it comes to um, the people that we're in conflict with. And what, what the problem is sometimes is when we're in conflict with someone, we, haven't, we just start saying things and we're reacting with our anger and we haven't thought through what it is we're saying and how hurtful those words can be. So one of the things that is helpful for you, for all of us, when we're in 
relationship with people is to predetermine or predecide your values, things that you and things that you'll say and won't say, things you'll do and not do. In fact, when my wife and I meet with young couples who are engaged and they want to go through premarital counseling, we'll sit down with them, we'll talk with them, and we'll say, "Okay, you need to predecide some things that you're going to not do when you get into conflict with one another." And they say, "Oh, we'll never get in conflict with one another." We just, I mean, it's so great. We love each other. It's like, no, you need to predecide some things, some ground rules in terms of what you'll say and not say when you get in conflict with one another. They're like, no, no, no. I'm like, no, listen, really, truly, we need to lay some ground rules. And so we talk through, and the, one of the books that we use has some examples of things that you just simply are ground rules, some things that you can say ahead of time. We won't do this when we get in conflict. Let's agree on it because it won't be helpful. We recognize that it won't be helpful. Let me give you a couple of those examples. So whether you're married or dating or single or just have friendships, it doesn't matter. It's the same concept thinking through what you will and will not say in terms of your um, conflict relationships. So how do we speak carefully? First of all, never call names. Never call names. And I know that sounds like a junior high thing, but it's true. We can still call people lots of names when we're angry with them, right? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, pet names for your, your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend, you know, like Pookie Boo or, you know, Snuggleophagus or whatever it is. Some of you are saying, no, please still don't use those names. And then that, that might be fine. But that's not what, he's talking, that's what I'm talking about here. But just simply saying, I'm not going to call you names. Second one, never get historical. That is, we predecide before we get into the conflict, I'm not going to bring up past stuff and bring it to your face and rub your nose in it all over again. That's not real true forgiveness. It's, it's, forgiveness is releasing the right to bring that charge back up. And so let's not get historical in those moments of conflict. It will only make it worse. Three, never say never or always. Never say never or always. And this is helpful because the moment you say you never do such and such a thing, it's unfair. Or you always, it's like, no, that's not fair because it's not true. If you, you never make the bed or you never, um, you never compliment or you never, whatever it is, it's not fair in that, that relationship. And so just saying, okay, these are words that I'm, I'm going to stay away from because it's not fair and it, doesn't, it, it actually can damage the relationship worse. Okay, then the fourth one is never threaten with divorce. Never threaten divorce. Again, these are, these are things that we just simply say, okay, when I'm in conflict, I can say all sorts of things that I'd love to take back later. And I'm just going to right now say, this isn't something I'm going to do, a direction I'm going to go. And that can happen in a relationship, a friendship, whatever it is. But just simply predeciding, I got to speak carefully because I know when I'm in conflict, a lot of the thinking goes out the door and my mouth does all the, to- does all the thinking for me and I get myself in trouble. So it's just saying, okay, I got to speak carefully. Now, there might be times, true times, when you're just so angry and somehow you need to express it. And I get that. So here's my recommendation. Write a letter. You can write an angry letter. Write all the angry words, all the names that you want to call somebody. Write a letter. Just don't mail it. Okay? It's okay if you need to express it. There's moments and there's times I just have to let this out one way or the other. And because I want to be careful in terms of my relationship, I'm going to do it here. Seneca, the great um, Roman philosopher, said this about, um, about anger. He said, the best cure for anger is delay. The best cure for anger is delay. And there's some truth to that, right? When I'm so angry, I'm so hot, I just want to say stuff. But if I just hold on to it, down the road a little bit further, you go, yeah, is it really worth saying that? 
Is it really worth doing that? A little time, a little distance can actually help you and save you a lot of relational damage. And so that's why it's so helpful. Now, not only would it be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, um, though, so we mean slow to become angry. And the, the principle that I want you to see is this. Make a decision not to defend. Make a decision not to defend. And this is important. The Proverbs that I want you to see is Proverbs 17 says this. Starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. There's just moments and times when we just have to recognize, okay, if I breach this dam uh, with my anger, it's going to be pretty destructive. So do I need to drop it? Do I just need to say, okay, anger, the anger, my anger is not going to help this circumstance. It's actually going to make it worse. Is it worth it? We have to rest, recognize and address it. And um, this is a hard thing to do because some little, very little things in life can make, a, make, a, make its way up to the anger level and it can be so destructive. When my wife and I um, first got married, we went on our honeymoon, we came back, we had a little duplex, it was our first place together, it was so awesome. And um, within the first day, we were like moved in, settling in, getting all set up. We had a massive fight. We weren't there one day. We had a massive fight. Do you know what the fight was over? Where things go in the refrigerator. <laughs> super, super critical thing, right? You know, it's one of those things like this goes here, this goes there. You need to take this out. No, you need to take that out. It was a fight over the refrigerator and we got in a massive fight over it. Now, um, Lisa and I did some marriage counseling, and um, it was good, and it wasn't over the refrigerator. Well, you know, just that was a, a piece of it. There was lots of things that we needed help with that we didn't realize when we first got married, um, and we needed someone to help point out some things that were truths for us. And one of the truths that, that our counselor pointed out was, hey, you need to understand that um, you have a common enemy, and it's not each other. You have a common enemy, and it's not each other. <laughs> it's the devil, but you are fighting each other instead of back to back saying, hey, we, we need to be united. We need to work together. And with that, there's just times we just have to both say, is this worth fighting for? This is a small thing. We have bigger battles to face. And so we have to either just acknowledge it, say that's dumb and set it aside. But we all have those stories, don't we? Of fighting over the dumbest things. We look back and say, what happened there? And it's that common enemy thing. So we just have to stop and say our anger, when it escalates, can be so um, explosive and so damaging, like a dam that breaks, that we just have to stop and step back and say, is it really worth it? Now, when you get yourself in the position where you've gone backwards and you're quick to become angry, quick to speak, and slow to listen, then you find yourself stuck there. And if you find yourself stuck there, there's something that the, the Paulson family, we've kind of put into practice, not perfectly, but we had to put into practice, practice because we are not perfect, um, that when we get angry and things escalate and we realize we haven't listened to each other, we're just saying stuff, we're getting louder, whatever it might be, that we call for an SOS. And an SOS, SOS, if you're familiar with, it's that, um, it's a distress signal, but it's a moment for us to simply say this. Here's what we're agreeing to, that we need to go back and start by listening and understanding each other because we've skipped that step and gone straight to anger. And then because of that, we typically need to offer an apology. I'm sorry for blowing up. I'm sorry I didn't hear you. I'm sorry I um, was not respectful or didn't do this. And then S, show care to the person. That We oftentimes then have to show care to the person. Now, showing care to the person may mean that, in fact, you still tell the truth to them, 
but it also means that you're looking for ways to serve them and care for them in that process. But that's just a moment for us to say, okay, SOS, we've gotten a little bit. It's, we've, gone up, we've done reverse. We've got to start over. We need to listen, understand, and, and, it, and it can be very helpful. Now, if we don't get it right, if we just start with the anger and we just get, it gets out of control, what's the, what's the uh, challenge with that? What's, what does it lead to? That's where verse 20 it helps us see. It says this, because the human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Human anger, oh, go back to 20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. This is like the understatement of the Bible, right? Where human anger, you've been there before. Your anger, does it get what God wants in the circumstance? Not always, right? Not typically, right? When we have our own anger, it just doesn't actually, when we feel like we're so right, we don't actually accomplish the righteousness that God wants for us. And we'd like to cover that by saying, well, listen, I just, you know, I just, I'm just a straight shooter. I just, I blow up, I let it all out, and it's done. Well, a shotgun does the same thing, right? And there's a lot of damage as a result of that. There's still impact of that. And so we just have to recognize our anger can be very damaging and devastating. So how do we deal with it? What's the, what does is, what is James help us tell us to help us in these circumstances? He says this, Therefore, here's the solution. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So he says, therefore, get rid of. What are we supposed to get rid of? We're supposed to get rid of moral filth. And the idea of moral filth is the stuff that comes out of our mouth. That's really it. It's the, the words, the concepts, the things. And he says that it's prevalent, um, that it's so prevalent. We've seen the evil and the moral filth is prevalent. You just watch TV, watch movies, watch how people talk to each other. Um, there, is, there is just, it's a prevalent, we live in a prevalent society where there is lots of um, words that fly Arguments that happen, statements that are made that are very, very damaging and destructing, destructive. Just, just think about Twitter for a moment, okay? That perfect medium for reconciliatory conversation, right? No. People just go at it, at each other. And it's prevalent. It's prevalent in our culture. And he's saying, throw that stuff off. So what are we supposed to then put on? He says, and humbly accept the word, and that should be capital W, word of God that's planted in you and can save you. So we are to replace the moral filth with the word of God. That's why we're looking to God's word to say, how can we have God's word take root in our life? Because when it grows up, it can produce a different kind of fruit in terms of our relationships. That's why we look to Proverbs. In every single one of these scenarios, we're looking back to God's Word. Proverbs helps us know how to live skillfully, and it's looking to God's Word, and we want that to take root in our heart, in our life. And you've heard this statement here before at South Hills Church. If you've been here for any amount of time, it's this, that God's Word in us changes us. God's Word in us changes us, and that's exactly what James is saying. He's saying, take the Word that's been planted in you, and allow that to produce something new in you, that God could transform you when we submit to his word, when we listen to his word, when we, when we say, okay, I need to hear God's word and not my word in this, in this conflict, in this situation. It can be transformative. Now, for some of you, you're saying, okay, but I, I just need help. I'm I finding myself struggling with, uh, with, with anger in my life, and I'm struggling with how do I respond and so this is why I give you this last principle. The last principle is this. The angry people need power and a person. All angry people need power and a person. What do I mean by that? What I mean by this is this. That if you find yourself in a circumstance, a situation where you're saying, I'd like to change. I'd like to, 
handle my anger differently. I'd like to deal with these conflicted relationships differently, but I can't. That's the point. The, the idea of this, that we don't have the power in and of ourselves to do it. That each and every one of us needs to come to a recognition that what I'm doing, what we're doing, isn't working and doesn't work. That we're powerless to change ourselves because if we could, we would, but we can't. And so we need a different kind of power. And that kind of power comes through a relationship with the person, the person Jesus Christ. See, Jesus came not just to save us, but to walk with us. And to walk with us and to give us his power so that we can live differently. See, the Bible is great in that it gives us principles, but God wants to help us have the power to live out those principles, and that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That each and every one of you needs to come to a spot in your life where you recognize, I need to recognize I'm powerless, and I need to trust God, who is powerful, to do a work in me. And means... Not necessarily that you'll do everything perfectly, but when you trust God through the person of Jesus Christ, you can make great progress. And you can, he wants to walk with you and to give you the power to live out the principles that he's calling us to. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. And it just means that we have to stop long enough to say, God, I can't. You can. Will you please help me? So let's take a moment and let's pray together. God, as we come into your presence, we do want to just recognize that we need your help. That each and every one of us understands and knows what it's like to respond in a destructive way where we haven't listened. We've been so quick to say things that are damaging. Our anger has been explosive. And God, we, we need help. We want to change. And God, we can't do it on our own, so we look to you. We look to you for power. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, that as we put our place, place our faith in you, that you promise to come into us, to transform us. We thank you for your word, for your guidance. We ask God together that you would help us to be people, to be a church that submits ourselves humbly to you, that we receive the word that you have planted in our hearts, that you would transform us from the inside out because of your power through the work of Jesus Christ. We pray this, God, in your name. Amen.